Coming up on today's Locked On Senators, we're back to our exit interviews. Last week, we covered all three goalies, seven defensemen. Today, let's turn our attention to the forwards, in particular, the top line. And for the first time in 19 years, the Toronto Maple Leafs advanced to the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. All right, I guess we'll talk some playoffs as well. This is the Locked On Senators podcast. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. Welcome inside episode 789 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains, please like and subscribe wherever you download your podcasts, including on YouTube. Where the best way you can help the show grow is to leave a comment as well. Today's comment, we want to know this. Should day one of Sen's training camp be already locked in? Tim Stutzla, Brady Kachuk, and Claude Giroux on the top line? Or are you leaving some room for tinkering as we enter next season? Today is Monday, May 1st. And Pilsy, I was trying to bring good vibes in the intro, and you went out and you just beat it with a hammer. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's it's facts, and it's it's tough, Ross, because you know uh, the movie Inception, how to find out whether he's in a dream or not. He has that top that he spins, and if it uh, keeps spinning forever, he's like, oh, crap, I'm in a dream. But if it falls over, he's like, oh, I'm in reality. The Leafs being in round two or not was my reality check uh, device. So if I wake up and I'm like, oh, man, am I still in a dream or not? Quick. Go to uh, NHL.com. Are the Leafs in the second round of the playoffs? No. Okay, we're we're in real life now. But now, I mean, what I I'm so thrown off because the first time in 19 years, the reality is the Toronto Maple Leafs have won a playoff series. Oh. As a sixth grader, I don't know how well I could even use the internet back then to find out those types of things the last time the Leafs won a playoff series. But you know Plus, what? I had dial-up internet the last time the Leafs won the playoff series. I That noise is imprinted into my brain, and uh, that's how long ago that was. Mom, can I use the internet? No, no, I'm expecting a call. Yeah, honestly, yeah. <laughs> but a hat tip, I guess. You know, we went to school in Toronto, so we can spin zone this a million different ways. I am happy for the select few of my buddies who have been long-suffering Leaf fans, but I really wanted it to get to 20 years. It was so close to being two full decades. 19, we'll have to settle for, though. We'll have to settle. And it just would have been nice for yet again they couldn't beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, it's just nice seeing the Leafs kind of fall victim to insanity. You know, like the same thing over and over with the same result. But eventually... Ross, we knew this day would come. You know what? Another spin zone. I'll let you kind of rack your brain as well if you have any to help out the good sense fans out there who are really reeling today because, you know, it was the easiest way to just put a zipper on a Leaf fan. It was so easy. Win around, win around. And now they have. Now they have. But I'll put it to you this way. Next season, you want the sense to take a step? Now there won't be that pressure if they do play Toronto that it's like, hey, the last time the Leafs won a playoff series, yeah. it was against Ottawa, right? That's how that's how I'm going to spin it. So Ottawa can sneak in here and make it happen next season. That's true. I like that spin zone. And uh, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see what the Toronto Maple Leafs do in a second round because we know how they've behaved in the first round before. So let's see what this group can do, if anything, moving past that. We will find out. By the time you're listening to this, you already know who the opponent is, but we're recording this a little bit later on Sunday, right before puck drop, actually, between Game 7, Florida and Boston. Do you have a preferred opponent for the Leafs? Ross, I can't believe the Boston Bruins' decision to put Jeremy Swayman in, pause for editing purposes, was the right move. (laughs) 
was the wrong move. And now the Toronto Maple Leafs are facing the Boston Bruins. The Toronto Maple Leafs are facing the Florida Panthers. And we'll see who's going to win that round. Oh, my God. It's going to be great hockey, I will say. I I hope it's Boston because at least then we can just, you know, either they're going to slay all their demons in one foul swoop. Yeah. Or the big, bad Boston Bruins will have their way with the Leafs, preferably in Game 7, preferably in comeback fashion. Mm -hmm. But uh, the playoffs are continuing. The Leafs have moved on. The Oilers have moved on. So a pair of Canadian teams remain in these Stanley Cup playoffs. The Rangers are still alive. Game 7. Thank God for my betting purposes. Forget Same. editing, Chelsea. Need a few shekels in the account after being the under on six and a half games for Leafs Lightning. I need whatever I can get right now, and that's the New York Rangers. So I'm hoping for them Monday night, but tonight, two game seven, Seattle and Colorado, a series we haven't really paid too much attention to on this show because for Sens Abroad purposes, there's not a whole lot between Seattle and Colorado. No disrespect to Joey Dax. I was going to say, yeah. Doing his thing in the AHL right now uh, out West. But the playoffs have been awesome. Like, you can't ask for more drama than that. Three overtime wins for Toronto in that first round. So they had to earn it. They really did. Exactly. And you know what? Like, if anything, Ross, I'll try to put a spin zone on this. It's now the Toronto Maple Leafs will have boosted expectations for next season when they inevitably fail in this playoff round. And next season, they're going to think they have such a better chance. And then the failure will be all that much more crushing. So, yeah, yeah that's that's let's go with that. It's a sad day. It's a sad day for Ottawa Senators. It really it's a is. sad day for, yeah. for hockey fans outside of the GTA, really. Honestly, like it, it was it was so nice for – in today's world, Ross, there's not a lot of time where people can unify, but being able to unify against hating the Toronto Maple Leafs was a nice thing. You know, your your friend that's a Habs fan, normally you're you're like, I, I don't even know what's going on in your mind. Like, how did you get to this point of cheering for the Montreal Canadiens? But then both of you are like, handshake, we hate the Leafs. And yeah. that, that was something nice you could celebrate. Yeah, and now we don't even have that. So we'll just be hate-watching the rest of their playoff series, however long it goes. The only other spin zone, Pilsy, and then we'll finally move on because, you know what, Sens fans deserve a fun topic today. So you know what, coming off of that, let's just go right into the top line, guys. Right? So we'll get into those season reviews. Last spin zone, at least it wasn't Matt Murray in goal for the series. Yes, yeah, I'm with you there because that would have been another tough one to have to hear uh, Leafs fans talk about for sure. Yeah, so Elias Samsonov wins that game for the Leafs. There's no question. That that save he made in overtime on the rush after Lilgren went like 35 feet over the net on a one-on-one rush. And then, you know what? Great save. Stick tap to, to Elias Samsonov. He had a pretty solid series after game one. And uh, yeah, we will leave it at that and move on to the guys who dummied Ilya Samsonov in mid-January in Toronto. That was Claude Giroux. That was Brady Kachuk and Tim Stutzla. So their season reviews and what we can expect next from them is coming up. You're listening to Locked On Senators. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Athletic Greens. And guys, if you listen to Friday's episode, and probably you can hear it still a little bit now, I'm dealing with a cold, a sore throat, but a way to get out of that and a way to try to get my health back is with Athletic Greens. And that's what I've been doing every morning to try to get back on the right side of it because all you have to do is put one delicious scoop of AG1 into your glass of water each day and you're going to get 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and more so you can start the day off right. The special ingredient helps support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery focus, and aging, all of those things. And it's lifestyle friendly. So whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it's all good. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, and it still tastes great. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health with AG1. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Again, guys, check it out at athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. It's time to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance from Athletic Greens. 
Today's episode is also brought to you by Shawarma Palace. Yes, Shawarma Palace is synonymous with Ottawa. It's synonymous with amazing food. It's synonymous with unreal portions, and you can get these anywhere in Ottawa. There's nine locations from the St. Laurent Shopping Centre to Carleton University Food Court to Bank Street and Hunt Club to Orleans to my favorite spot, the flagship Shawarma Palace. Has to be the one on Rideau Street, right by Augusta near Chapel. This is where I go whenever a craving hits. My first stop when I go back to Ottawa, I love Shawarma Palace. And you should go check it out as well. More economical than going to a grocery store. There's no question about that. It's also a delicious way to fill up on fuel. Not bad food, good food. Freshest ingredients. You can get the chicken, the beef, the falafel, baklava as a little dessert, little sweets for you. All great stuff at Shawarma Palace. So go visit them and support local. It's Ottawa's number one location for Shawarma since 1997. It's got the test of time on its side. But they're always cooking up new things at Shawarma Palace. So go check out your nearest spot right now and go see them on Uber Eats. You can order it exclusively from Uber Eats right to your door. Wow, too convenient. So eat like a royal today. Eat like a royal by eating at Shawarma Palace. All right, Pilsy. A reminder, you can follow the show on Twitter at Send Central and LockedOn.Senators on Instagram. The show is free and available five days a week for you on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. We went back and posted each individual segment that we did on the goalies, on the defensemen. A couple people said it's a little too much, so I'm going to try to find a way to make it so you don't get a notification when these videos post. They're meant for people who didn't get a chance to see each one or if they missed one particular player, they don't want to zoom through all the content we put out. We're able to put that for you. Nice and easy in one spot. So those will live on YouTube forever. You can go check out them all there. We'll post these ones maybe in a week or two. Give it some time to breathe as well. Pilsy, what was your answer to today's comment question? Should Giroux, Stutzla, Kachuk be locked in together as the team's top line going into next season? Or would you like to see them spread out on the top two lines? My answer was yes, lock it in. I mean, this line just had so much success and we're going to get into it as we go over it. So I'm not going to use any of my stat nuggets uh, too soon here. But yes, I do think that if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And now I know maybe people are saying, well, Pilsy, last summer you said the exact same thing about the top line of Josh Norris, Brady Kachuk and Drake Batherson staying together. And yes, I did say that, but there's been a material change, and now it seems like Claude Giroux, Brady Kachuk, and Tim Stutzla is the true top line for this team. It has to be the top line for the team. The way that they complement each other from Giroux's dogged puck pursuit and kind of speed aspect in hounding pucks to Brady Kachuk's ability to physically impose his will on the opposition and be that first man in on the forecheck. Giroux can come in and kind of dig pucks out of feet and be able to make creative plays, which is Tim Stutzel's calling card. So the fact that they all come together and create magic in the offensive zone, they have to be on the same line. And we had a lot of people reply on Twitter at Send Central and say, look, why don't you try to put back the kid line as they keep growing older, we'll see how long we can keep that up. But with Josh Norris at center, with Brady Kachuk and Drake Batherson, and then the line we were all promised but never delivered on, Alex Dabrinkit with Claude Giroux and Tim Stutzel. Look, I wouldn't hate that, but you have found something special with Brady Kachuk, Tim Stutzel playing together. And it's something where it's a silver lining of a bad situation where Josh Norris goes down because I don't know if you know this, But Josh Norris is Brady Kachuk's best friend. So they were always going to be attached at the hip. And not that they don't play well together. They do. But I feel like Norris, he's he's a shoot first center. And Brady Kachuk loves shooting the puck. I almost think having a guy like Timmy, who's always looking to make that that nice, cute pass, I feel like it almost complements Brady a little bit more. Plus, these are your two highest drafted players in the rebuild. 
put them together and let's cook. It's almost like the whole Matthews Marner thing for years. They weren't playing together. And it's like, Oh, once they do, it's like a switch goes off. It's like, wait, why weren't they always playing together? So I think Timmy and Brady forget next season to start Pilsy lock these two together for the next five plus years. (laughs) <laughs> there we go. We'll have to get uh, Giroux some extensions uh, on that so he can join them as well. But I think, Ross, if I was uh, those people arguing that shouldn't be the line, my argument would be Josh Norris being a shoot first center complements Brady better because you know Josh Norris coming into the zone, he's going to take that shot. And where is Brady Kachuk's office? Right in front of the net, either screening that goalie or trying to uh, pick up the garbage uh, from a rebound. So I think that's why that worked. But the issue is, if you decide to change the line and you bring up Norris and Batherson, what you're doing is demoting Tim Stutzla, 90-point season, the top player on this team, and you're demoting Claude Giroux, the best veteran on this team who just had a career high in goals. So that's the thing. Like it would just be such a head scratcher to be like, you had this ultimate trio that worked. All of them broke records in different ways, uh, personal records. Why would you mess with that in the hopes that you can bring back magic from a line that was successful two years ago? Right? So that's just, that's my uh, viewpoint of it, is, is it just makes too much sense to keep them together. Yes, it does. Who do you think the fans voted had the best season? And I, by that, I mean, we put out on Twitter again, the polls, A, B, C, and D. Who had the highest percentage of A votes? Uh, no spoilers, but they were all finishing in the A range as the majority. I was going to say, there is a difference between those two things. So I'm glad you clarified that. Otherwise, we'd have some angry comments. Um I'm pretty sure I know this answer, so I'm going to go with Claude Giroux. You, is it? Yeah, it is. Wow. Oh, the, wow. The guy asking the questions gets surprised. Oh, I had to refresh the page. These polls are live. You never know. Ah, How fair. Ain't, fair. Right? So Claude Giroux, 96.6% of fans gave him an A grade. And I'm going to go ahead and give myself an A-plus grade on my take that he was going to hit 77 yes. points. So let's start with Mr. 1000, Claude Giroux. Mr. 1002, may I add, as Giroux finishes the season with 79 points. And I think more impressive than that is how Claude Giroux played all 82 games of this NHL season. So you're looking at a guy who brings it offensively. He brings it defensively. He's on the power play. He kills penalties. He does every little detail of the game proper. And then he goes out there and puts up points. 35 goals, Pilsy mentioned, a career high for the for the veteran of what, 16 NHL seasons? He came in the league like almost the Leafs had just won a playoff series when he came into the league. 17 years, Ross. 17 seasons. Never more than 35 goals he gets as a 35-year-old in that season. Amazing. 44 assists for 79 points. The expected goals percentage, 56.2. The Corsi, 56.3. He's averaging just under 19 minutes per game. And oh yeah, he signed for two more seasons after this one. How early in the year, Pilsy, did you realize this was going to be an A-plus signing? We knew going in the, the expectations were high, but you always have to see it play out. How quick in the season was it for you? Honestly, it took a little bit of time. Like, I would love to be like game one, shift one. You could tell. Game two. <laughs> yeah. Remember? He tied the game against Toronto with three minutes left. And you're like, yeah, he. this is this is Mr. Clutch, Mr. Giroux. See, I wasn't at that point yet, I'll be honest. Uh, it felt good. It was like, that's nice that Giroux's hopping in here and scoring against the Leafs and getting the assist in that game as well. But at that point, I was just like, this is a, this was a good signing. Like, this worked out. I would say probably, I think honestly, once Josh Norris went down and that part of the top six happened and you were like, okay, there's 36 goals out of your lineup. Who's going to step up? How's this going to all work? Who can be moved up and down on either line? And still, you can say that those lines are successful. It was Claude Giroux. And I think, Ross, that's the moment when I was like, oh, man. Like, this guy is an absolute gamer, as Paul Maurice would say. And, like, he's just... In so many different aspects of the game, on and off the ice, 
his impact was felt throughout this franchise. Like there was no better player to come in at a better time for the Ottawa Senators than Claude Giroux. Like they needed exactly one Giroux in this free agent offseason, and they got him. And when you like look, look at the contract he's on, six point five million is an absolute steal. He's so good at hockey. It's on like every time I watch him play, and I feel like we're almost I'm almost having a deja vu right now of our episode right after he signed because I went back, I watched the the tape on him, and you're like, holy, every little detail he brought that and more to the Ottawa Senators. It's truly remarkable. Uh 22, 22 multi-point games for Claude Giroux this season. If he got one, chances are he's getting another. It was like just from that standpoint, I think he just brought a level of consistency that this young core needed. That whether it was a good game or a bad game, yeah, he'd probably go and snap his stick. He had a couple, uh, couple oh. I don't want to call them meltdowns, but like Alfie had a few of those too. But they're so passionate about the game. When it doesn't go their way, they'll, they'll, they'll let themselves hear it on the bench. But then he'd turn around and he'd put his arm around Timmy and be like, no, no, I'll get mad at myself. But you don't get mad at yourself. Like, do as I say, not as I do. Kind of, kind of leadership. It felt like from uh, from Claude Giroux at times this season. And um, man, there, there's nothing he could have done better that would have made me say like, oh yeah, we were missing out on that part of the Claude Giroux experience. Like the uh, the faceoff numbers that Pillsy, I'm sure you can expand yeah, on. I got a I got a whole thing ready. Yeah. Let's go, please be my guest because that's somewhere the Senators. I want to say we're a bottom five faceoff team over the last half decade before he came in. Yeah, and this is something, Ross, that we were on to right away when Closer was brought into Ottawa. We were saying, obviously, the points, the leadership, everything like that is huge. But for a team that struggled in the faceoff dot and only has young centermen, like there, other than Brassard, which we weren't uh, aware he was going to be a part of this team, it was only young centermen in this system. So having Claude Giroux come in was huge. And Ross, of players that had... Over a thousand faceoffs this season. I had to set a limit somewhere because with faceoff percentages, it gets a little wonky. Um, Claude Giroux, only one player had a higher faceoff percentage in the entire league than Claude Giroux. Can you guess who that player was? Ooh. Ryan O'Reilly? Nope. Hmm. Petrice Bergeron? Boom, you got it. Patrice Bergeron was the only player. 61.1% uh, face-off uh, success for Claude Giroux. Absolutely insane. And then, uh, or sorry, uh, Patrice Bergeron. For Claude Giroux, he finished with a 58.3, tied with Jonathan Tavares. Uh, they both had really good face-off numbers. But what that was able to do, Ross, is, and we were kind of scratching our head throughout the season, being like, you have the best face-off guy arguably in the league and you're putting him on the wing what are we doing here especially when josh norris went down it's like who could be your second line center well you got closure right there but the thing is ross he was able to take those face-offs as a winger because guys like tim stutzla didn't always have the greatest success and a young player takes time right so you're able to have closure go in there shane pinto when he had to play second line center Claude Giroux was often on that line with Alex Brinkin and Shane Pinto. He's able to take those face-offs. Ridley Gregg gets bumped up. Derek Broussard needs to play second-line center. Claude Giroux was right there. Or if, let's say, you have a, like Tim Stutzler takes the draw and he gets kicked out for whatever reason, you're not just putting a winger in there and taking a scheduled loss face-off loss. You've got a guy that can have success in the dot. So for Claude Giroux to come in here and completely change the outlook of how this team does in the face-offs and not only that Ross not only his individual stats and what that does remember I forget I guess I'm asking you to remember who was it that right away after practices was spending like 45 I think it was Timmy right after or Norris probably both them to be honest yeah right after practice all they're doing is face-off time with Claude Giroux. Teach us the tricks you've learned over how many, I forget how many career face-offs he had. It, it's 50,000 an insane number. For some reason, that's what's hanging on in my head. 50,000? That's an insane, that's an insane number. Man. Maybe 20,000 then? It's something insane. 50,000? Just picture how, how many face-offs you'd have to take to get to 50,000. 
thousand. As I'm, I'm like trying to slowly say it so I can find out here. Who had? So let's ask you this: from two thousand three till now, who has the most faceoffs taken? Um, so let's see how. Well, it's going to be Bergeron. I know, but I want to see how many it is. So the most faceoffs is nineteen thousand six hundred and sixty-eight. Uh, shouldn't have to scroll too much. Claude Giroux. So the number must have been ten that we went over. He's taken thirteen thousand three hundred and thirty-eight. Okay, so fifty thousand is insane. I'm glad I figured that out. But like these young players being like, you've taken over 10,000 face-offs and that's just in the NHL like think about going back think about playoffs think about practicing like it's insane the amount of experience like you know that Malcolm Gladwell thing 10,000 hours like Claude Giroux probably has spent 10,000 hours focusing on face face-offs when you look at uh, doing video also like it's just mind-boggling the wealth of experience this guy can bring to these young cornerstone centermen on this franchise well, when you look at it, there was only a matter of 16 games this year that he was under 50% in the faceoff dot. Yeah. And in five of those 18 games, he had one more loss than win. Like this guy, he only got insane. He only got really beat out of the dot one one game all year where he went four for 15. That, that's the only one where he's below 25%. Not a math guy. That's actually 26%. But. <laughs> insane Don't let facts get in the way of a good story no and just like a nice round number okay that's all we're looking for here but let's finish up with closure and by the way you mentioned how his training hours over and over we're gonna have his trainer tony greco yes. on the show in the next couple of weeks so stay tuned for that what's expectations for closure would you like to make an asinine assumption for points so that you can be right in about 12 months <laughs> i would like to but my hot takes and predictions are usually very cold and wrong um uh, ross honestly just try to bring it back like let's replay it like if he gets 70 points next season like 30 goals 40 assists math guy i'm happy with that like and if he can like honestly as long as he's uh passing the 60 point mark boom you're good and like continues to have good face-off percentages it's incredible what he's able to do with this team all right coming up next we will get to the two highest drafted players during the rebuild third overall tim stutzla fourth overall brady kachuk that's next you're listening to locked on senators All right, Pilsy. A reminder that it's barbecue season as well, so head over farm24thdelivery.ca. They re-up. They will be back with us next week and beyond here. So go check them out. Sends 40 gets you $40 off your next order. All right, Pilsy. Let's stay in the center of the ice now because we talk face-off. So let's go with the center on this line. Let's talk Tim Stutzla. What more can you mention for Timmy Superstar? This season was ridiculous. He's one goal shy of 40. That nice round number. Tim Stutzla finishes the year with 39 goals and 51 assists. Good for 90 points, Pilsy. 90 points. And he missed four games to boot. The goals expected was 55%. The course he's similar. And this might be the most impressive part. He's averaging 21 minutes and 16 seconds per game. The fans went 95.5%, an A grade. And honestly, you should have to have your vote public if you were going to give him anything but an A so that we could shame you on this show because Tim Stutzla brought it night in, night out, and he is only going to get better, which is a scary thought if you're an opponent of his in the future. And Ross, uh, just hopping on the back of uh, your last statement there, Pierre Dorian signing Tim Stutzla to an eight-year extension before this season started may end up being one of the greatest moves in the Ottawa Senators franchise history. Now, like that may coming out of my mouth may sound like an absolutely wild Sens fans hyperbolic statement, but think about it. If he looks for an eight-year deal coming off a 90-point season like he just did, 
I think it, him and his agent are laughing at an $8.35 million offer per year. Yeah, that, that should be a signing bonus per season. I, like, it wouldn't be crazy for them to ask for just a straight-up, nice, clean, easy 8 by 10 8 years, $10 million. And if you would compare it to other contracts, it probably wouldn't be far off. And, like, he's only in his early 20s. He's going to get better, probably, hopefully. So it's incredible that Dorian was able to do that. And uh, we got eight more years of Timmy Superstar. At least eight more years yes. of Tim Stutzla as he's hit 210 games already as a 21-year-old. And he's going to play half of next season before he even gets to 22 years old. Now, the contract kicks in, sure, but the superstar ability already has. Pilsy, we were talking about how 22 is a lot of multi-point games. <laughs> Tim Stutzla is the easiest fan duel over one and a half points per game per game bet of all time 31 games this year he had two wow that's almost half the entire season that he played that's incredible i mean yeah what this kid does is so amazing and and ross the reason why tim stutzel is even more valuable than just talking about his points and uh we can gush over his points more if you want but is he plays everywhere even strength power play he's killing penalties he's an offensive threat killing penalties and he's good in all zones now obviously his offensive zone is his strength neutral zone is is good and then defensive zone he's not one of the top players in the league but he's drastically improved how good of a defensive player he is from this year compared to last like last year ross we had to keep telling ourselves take the good with the bad with tim stutzy you're gonna get bad defensive plays but you're going to get good offensive plays now it's like you're going to get incredible show-stopping offensive plays and decent defensive uh plays so it's just amazing what he's been able to do the step he's taken from last year to this year is a step that I'll be honest I didn't I didn't see him taking so soon I thought maybe he'd be at this point next season so he's already exceeded my expectations just an incredible player and so thankful that the LA Kings took Quinton Byfield at second oh. overall in 2020 draft. I mean, on top of that, be thankful to the New York Rangers. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. For real. Yeah. He, he's almost doubled the next player in points from his draft class. So you can't even have that be the discussion. Now it seems like Sens fans. And, and this is again, a high bar. People are like, Oh, if you look at compare it in their first three years, He's ahead of where Jack Hughes was, who exploded this year for 99 points. And he was the first overall pick a year before him. So that's where the comparisons are going for Tim Stutzlaw, who is really just ridiculous skill. Like you look at what he's done. And I think the most impressive part is between his ears. This guy doesn't care about the points at all. They are, they are a, a sum of all the team activity that he wants. Like this guy, we've joked about it on the show before. This guy could have four points like he did against Seattle, a hat trick yeah. of four points, and be like, yeah, I played awful tonight. Like, yeah. what do you mean, Tim? Not good enough. Tim, you played pretty well. And he's like, no, no, you know, it just I played awful. You know, we need to do better. I'm He's so hard on himself. He's never satisfied. And it, it truly has to be an incredible feeling if you're in that dressing room knowing that he's not one of those stars that just wants to get his points and move along with like This guy cares about one thing, and that's winning hockey games. And I really feel like this summer, he's just going to be locked into his defensive game. He's now had a year where there's no help in terms of a 1B guy like he had with Norris the last season. He was on an island facing the other team's best centerman over and over again. He has that film now to go home in the summer and say, okay, how did I match up against the best players in the league? And how can I take another step to be not only a superstar in the league, but to be a superstar on a team that's a playoff contender. And that's where I think we're going to see Timmy improve next year. Look, plus minus is far from what the main story should be about Tim Stutzel. There's too many good stories elsewhere. But to go from dash 27 to minus three the next year, that in itself is a huge improvement 
And I mean, he was even a minus one in the last game. So to get it so close to even from being one of the worst plus minus players in the league, like the sky is the limit for this kid. It's, it's, if there's one storyline, I think Sens fans should be most excited about for the next decade. It's Tim Stutzla and what this franchise changing player is going to bring to the team. Yeah. I, I mean, definitely. And talking about improvements from last year, Ross, He's improved in the faceoff dot as well. Like, that was a big part of it. Like, his first year, he spent most of it as a winger. Like, he barely even took, he only took 27 faceoffs his first season. Isn't that wild to wow. think of now, Ross? Uh, and then his next year, he's playing full time center and uh, his faceoff percentage is 38.1, pretty low. And then, sure, 41.6 isn't a massive improvement. But like you mentioned, he's going up against every single team's top center. Night in, night out, shift in, shift out. And sure, Claude Giroux took a decent chunk of those as well. But when Timmy did have to take a draw, he's not going up against fourth liners. He's going up against top guys. So sure, you want that number closer to 50. But for a young centerman who's really only played a season and a half as a centerman going up against top guys, in the 40s is acceptable with room for improvement. Like that, that's really like if you want to get nitpicky, that's probably the only spot where I would hear an argument for being like your number one center has a face-off percentage, uh, winning percentage in the low 40s. That's the only thing I would hear. And not a whole lot of face-off attempts in these games, but he also had uh, he had nine games last year where he did not win a face-off and he took face-offs in all those games. Damn. Not a single win. <laughs> that's why Claude Giroux is there yeah absolutely uh was it the final game of the season no it was the one at Carolina the uh the overtime loss where Marilinen played great uh he went over seven that game oops yeah oops uh over six against Montreal but then see this is this is the Tim Stutzla stat line if I've ever seen one uh January 31st against Montreal goes over since six in the face-off circle Two goals, two assists, four points. <laughs> yeah, that, man, that's dead on Timmy right there. And the thing too, Ross, is Timmy really started to do a better – what? I was just going to say uh, another one of his four-point games this year against Calgary, he went uh, two for 12 in the dot. Ooh, yeah. Um, so the thing with Timmy that I really liked is – Throughout the year, he started to get more confident using his shot. I feel like before, he was really focused on being a playmaker, which is great. He's a great playmaker, and he needs to facilitate the puck if this team's going to have success. But at the same time, like, Timmy, realize, too, you got a hell of a shot. And I think once he started realizing that, this team had a lot more success because when Timmy's a dual-threat option, it opens up so much more space for everyone else on the ice. And he's so shifty and unpredictable that if you don't know whether he's going to pass or shoot at any moment, it makes him a lethal player. So this kid is like, we can't even say enough about him. I'm just so happy that he is an Ottawa Senator. Over under 100 points next season. Yeah, I think you put it at 99 and a half, and it's not that crazy. Um, I got crazy. I said 115 on Twitter, but. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not meeting you there. I'm not meeting you there. It was a bit of a heat check after the Giroux talk uh, this year. I mean, yeah, that's I'm not I'm not bashing you. I'm just saying I'm not hopping. I'm not co-signing that one. Um, You know what? I think he's going to finish with 97 points. Okay. You would take the under. Yeah. What what little faith I have in Tim Stutzla. Only 97 points in an 82-game season. Oh, my God. Bust. It's going to be incredible to watch this kid develop. Tim Stutzla. Sens fans, enjoy him. He's yours for at least the next eight seasons. All right. Wrapping up the top line with the captain. Ooh. So not to say, not needing to say, but we will anyways This is uh, last but certainly not least on today's countdown. Brady Kachuk exploding offensively over a point per game for the first time in his National Hockey League career. 82 games, another member of the 100% games played, the best ability is availability club. 35 goals, a career high after hitting 30 for the first time in game 82 last season. 48 assists, good for 83 points. Played 18 minutes and 38 seconds per game. 
a 56% Corsi, 56.6% expected goal rate, and the fans are appreciative of the captain's efforts. 89.5% gave him an A grade on the season. He's still signed for five more years at $8.2 million. Pilsy, where did you see Brady Kachuk take the biggest stride in his overall game this year? It's tough to say because Brady is just such a consistent player that there's not one thing that I would say, like Tim Stutzler, we we had many things where we're like, this year he improved on this, this, and this. Um, with Brady Kachuk, honestly, it's just the fact that he didn't lose a step. Like, I honestly thought he might lose a step as the grind of the season goes on, as, you know, he's expected to do so much. He's played 82 games this year, like you mentioned. Like, he just kept staying consistent. And I guess, Ross, where I'll say the biggest imp- or, or thing that's really helped him this season was his ability to show what kind of a leader he is. Now, I know there's no way to kind of quantify that or what stats you can use, but... We talked about bringing Claude Giroux in as, as a veteran, and a little part of me worried about that being like, ooh, Giroux was a captain in Philly for a long time. He's coming to a new Ottawa Senators team. Is he going to try to really put his stamp on this team, and how is Brady going to react to that? That didn't happen at all. We saw Claude Giroux say in media scrums that, hey, this kid gets it. Like, this kid knows how to run a locker room at a young age, and like, I'll fall in line with Brady if need be. Sure, I have more experience, but I respect what he does and I respect the culture he's built here. And there's no better way. I said there's no quantitative way to kind of show that. Screw numbers. If anything shows you're a leader, how about going up to the division rivals bench in two games where you're fighting for the playoff spot before the trade deadline and challenging Not one superstar guy, not the toughest guy on the team, not a guy that you have a beef with, but challenging the entire bench. Who wants it? Who effing wants it? Like this guy just showed at any given moment, he's willing to back up what he brings on the ice and he's willing to accept any challenge that's put his way. So from that point, Ross, my answer is where Brady showed the biggest improvement is his ability to lead this team. And then the next night, he scores in front of the net, flexes on Jake Wallman as well. Yeah, there's there's a ton of, of leadership aspects with Brady Kachuk. We know that off the ice, like what this guy does behind the scenes with the Boys and Girls Club, but also like Matty Gosens, our guy, what he did for uh, for his daughter who wrote a handwritten message for him. We had Matty on to discuss, like Brady went out of his way, brought her down, gave the jersey, gave the stick, had a conversation. These mean so much to those kids, and he's always interacting with fans, and uh, it's just awesome to have him as the captain of this team. One area that I think we could clean up for next year, not to jump too far ahead because there's more to fawn over when it comes to Brady Kachuk's season. You mentioned it. Leading is one thing, but he is too good to be fighting the scrubs that he fought. Now, I get why they're challenging him. Why wouldn't they take him off for five minutes? I mean, they're taking a beating. I don't think Brady's lost (laughs) many fights, but Brady actually had the – we, we heard over and over DJ being like, I want Brady to fight less. Eight fights this year, according to HockeyFights.com, is the most he's had in a single season. So he fought more than ever. And in years past, he fought, you know, in the Canadian division, he was fighting Blake Wheeler one night. He was fighting Shea Weber the next night. And you can live with those. He doesn't need to be fighting Jared Tenorti or Mark Stahl or Ryan Strom. I don't know how that one even happened, but like he doesn't need to be giving these people Mark Friedman who's up and down on waivers. Like you don't need to be giving these guys the time of day. So I think he next season should just, I don't know if it's a better job or just try to, to avoid letting himself get where it's like, okay, this guy's bothering me. I'll just beat him up. Yeah, it's great. But like, buddy, we need you on the ice. Like we need you on the ice now. Um, so hopefully that can come around. Like I, I don't mind. There were a few spirited fights, and you know this show. We we love a good a good hockey fight. I'm not yelling that he's getting in fights. It's just if you're gonna do it, do more like you did taking Evander Kane off as the other guy as they had that. Or Jacob Truba center ice. Oof. 
Matt Dumba, he fought in early on in the season. Like those ones I'm all good with. And the odd one otherwise is all good. But half of your fight shouldn't be against scrubs who are blessed to take you off the ice with them. Yeah, and Ross, not only the the time you're off the ice, but also injury concerns. Like we saw Brady, his hand was not 100%. And there was even times where, wait, or am I getting my seasons mixed up? That was the last season. But still, my point stands. Like there's times where he he had to fight with one hand because he's like, my other hand's busted up from. I remember that. From caving in other guys' faces here. Like, what do you want me to do? So the thing is, yeah, you don't want him off the ice. He's one of your best players. And especially when you're taking a scrub off five minutes with you. And you got like, he's not a third line 40 point guy like people thought he was going to be when he was drafted. This guy puts up a point per game pace. He's got important hands on this team. So you can't have them constantly being at risk. And Ross, one thing that those hands do very well is get shots on net. Oh yeah. Before we move on to, cause I know that you want to dive into that. Pelsey. two of these things are not like the others. Okay. I'm not going to do it in order, but here's the top 10 penalty minute leaders this season. Oh, Michael Bunting, Tanner Janot, Brandon Montour, Liam O'Brien, AJ Greer, Austin Watson, Pat Maroon, Nick Delorier, Brady Kachuk, Matthew Kachuk. <laughs> yeah, weird the Kachucks are right in the mix there. Outside of, I mean, Brandon Montour is a defenseman, 73 points. We'll give him some flowers there. Outside of him, none of the top 10 outside of the Kachucks had more than 49 points this year. Brady had 83, and Matthew had 109. Like, the Kachucks are just built different. So when I say, look, I'm nitpicking, but it's like, hey, if you're going to take someone off in a fight, try not to do it against these scrubs all the time. If this is just how the Kachucks play hockey, let's just enjoy it for what it is because they're friggin' entertaining, man, night in and night out. Exactly. And I think, Ross, that will change as this team is playing in more more meaningful, meaningful games. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, Because, uh, sure, these were meaningful games. But when they're actually in the thick of it and it's like we are so much above this right now, I think he's going to get into those less. And to get back onto the shots on goal and to tie in the Kachuk thing, Brady Kachuk finished with 347 shots on goal this season. Only three players had more. Ross, can you name them? Matthew Kachuk. Wrong. Ooh, because you he's, mentioned the Kachuks. Yeah, he's he's very close. He's in the top 10. He had 322 shots, so only 25 shots less than Brady. Ovechkin? Nope, that's a good guess, but this was not Ovi's uh, year in that sense. He had 294. Pasternak? Yep, he's top in the league, 407. Okay. Oh, now the pressure's on. I'll Is- give you a hint. He scored. Or Just say East or West. Both are West. Both are West. Dreisaitl? Nope. No, he's a, he's a disher. Scored no. the most goals in the league. Oh, Connor McDavid. Yep, and then the other guy, just to wrap it up, is Nathan McKinnon. So that's pretty damn good company to be in. And I know... Sorry, sorry. Okay, we did it trivia-wise. Name name all of them, because I would hear them together. David Pasternak, Nathan McKinnon, Connor McDavid, and Brady Kachuk. Those are the top four in shots. And I know, before you even say it, every nonsense fan that's hopping in right away to get at me oh well a lot of those shots are wasted shots they're just uh they're just quick rebounds that he's getting that aren't going to go in he's just jamming them in pads yeah i get it but the reason that this is so important is not necessarily on the quality of shots but what it does in keeping possession and creating chaos like when brady's down there just banging away at rebounds it's tiring down those defenders, those penalty killers. It's making things difficult on goalies with traffic in front and things like that. So, sure, the shooting percentage is barely above 10%. But what Brady does is so much more than having a high shooting percentage. And that's where he becomes such an effective player because he gets under team skins. And I can't wait. We get to see Matthew Kachuk in the playoffs. I can't wait to see how Brady Kachuk performs in the playoffs. No surprise, Brady Kachuk led all Ottawa Senators with six game-winning goals 
this season, tied for 22nd in the National Hockey League in that standpoint. He was actually tied atop his team as well with a couple guys you might have heard of, Claude Giroux and Alex Dabrinkit, all with six game-winning goals this season. What's next for Brady Kachuk? Like, is this around his ceiling, do you think, an 80- to 90-point player? Not that there's anything wrong with that, but a part of me just sees how Matthew takes off better and better every year, and he's two years older than Brady. And each time you think Brady kind of notches up, next thing you know, Matthew does, and we know there's that internal family competition. I don't think he hits 100 next year like I do with Timmy, but I think in two, three years, we could be looking at a 100-point player. That would be insane, when, especially like going back and thinking about what the online community thought about Brady Kachuk in his draft year. If we could tell them this guy is approaching the 100-point mark and at least right now is a game point-per-game guy, man. Oh, I, I don't know about 100, Ross, but I think Brady Kachuk is going to be consistently between 75 and 90 points. Like, like that's it's going to be his zone right there and he's going to be doing that for the next at, at the very least throughout the rest of his contract and 300 shots and 100 penalty minutes yeah and a, like a ton of hits as well like oh where was he in hits this season among uh, national hockey league players he has uh, i just had it it wasn't as impressive as i was hoping so i didn't tie it in here but hits oh, he is right. top he's top 10 he's top 10 which is still really good with 242 but Close. the leader was luke shen with 318 so a far cry away from him but if we spin zone this a little bit just to make him look better among forwards he is uh eighth i guess a lot of them are <laughs> good try i don't even know who jack mcbain is but apparently at 304 hits this year yeah, couldn't say I know that guy either, actually, come to think of it. Plays for Arizona, so your guess is as good as mine. I saw him live this year, and I still love him. <laughs> yeah. He played all 82, so I saw him live. Did not notice him. Uh, but apparently he goes out there and bangs bodies. But with Brady Kachuk, he's doing a whole lot more than that. He's the one guy in that top 10 as well that also puts up points, which makes him yep. that much more impressive. The only guy who's even like, no, there's nobody. In no, he yeah, has going to say there's, there's no one. No, like there's no no one even close. Like Marcus Foligno would be the closest, and he is not a point producer. He he finished with what this year? Actually, I'm curious. At 21 points. Okay, yeah, <laughs> not even close. That's actually brutal for him. He had 23 goals last year, 21 points. Neither. Like Ross, really, the only comparable is like a guy like Ovi, and I'm not saying they're <laughs> I'm not saying that they're uh, similar players, but just the way that they're like high point producers, and still they're a threat to be out there laying anybody out at any given moment. So like, it's wild what this kid has been able to do. And and again, Ross, I'll just emphasize: I think his leadership ability trumps all of these stats that we've bond over. I think that is the key to everything. And the reason why getting him at fourth overall was right up there with uh, Timmy and Timmy's contract, the the greatest moves in this franchise's history. Where do you think Brady Kachuk ranks among Ottawa Senators in, in uh, franchise history in goals and points? Let's do goals. I think it might surprise you. He's top 10. He's number 10. Yeah, okay. I was going to say, he's right there. He's right there. He's one goal behind Eric Carlson. And obviously different positions. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, In almost 300 less games. Yeah, wow. So if he gets, let's conservatively say he scores 30 next year, okay? 30. That's that's conservative. conservative, Right? Yes. He'll be seventh in franchise history, closing in on Mike Fisher for number six. Huge. You're looking at a guy, and I'm going somewhere with this. He's 10th in goals and 13th in points in franchise history. He's already that high. He's got one more point than Kyle Turris in 68 less games. And let's remember, he started out like a week after his 19th birthday in the NHL. But where I'm going with this isn't as fun. This is going into his sixth NHL season. You heard how Keith Kachuk spoke about the Florida Panthers being soft. The clock starts ticking on Brady Kachuk's contentment if they if Ottawa fails to meet expectations next year. 
No? I mean, it has to at some point. The only reason I would say no, Ross, is because now they're at a point where the pieces are in place. Like, if they were still... No, none of these guys are locked up. The roster's changing all over the place. The draft capital that you spent so much time uh, building up wasn't panning out. Then maybe. And because I think Brady, he has guys working in spots everywhere. Like, I just feel like he's got his guys lined up. And I really think he believes that this team can do it. And even if they don't have success, which I, I think they will have success, but even if it takes a little longer, I still think he's going to believe in what's going on here because he's he's the conductor of this train. Like, he is leading everyone here. So I think what you're saying has some truth, but since the Ottawa Senators have put themselves in a position where the key guys are all locked up, I think he's going to have a lot more patience. Congratulations are in order for Brady Kachuk as well. Getting married this summer and... Starting next season, he's going to be a very rich man. Okay, his cap oh, hit point yeah. two. It has been, but the first year he made four million dollars. This past year, he made six point five. For the next three straight, he is deservedly making ten point five million per season. So now the kaching the kaching kachuk train is uh, is rolling on here. Yeah, those paychecks are going to look nice. Like like going from 6.5 to 10.5, sheesh. Well, that's pretty much Thomas Shabbat made four with like lockout protection this past year. Now he's jumping up to 10 as well. It's going to be the 10 milli crew soon on the plane in that uh, A table. For the yeah, party. that card game, the stakes just got boosted. The, yeah. the minimum buy-in, oh boy. No doubt. So Brady Kachuk, the captain, the leader of this team and wraps up the top line recap season in review all right so great stuff today pilsy i think we can spoiler alert they're not all going to be this positive but these three players in particular there's not a whole lot to nitpick from their games no there really isn't i mean they all got a fan grades by a goddamn mile like and deservedly so so this is where ross yes the sends aren't in the playoffs yes there's still a lot of question marks about the offseason but we can sit and look at this episode and say, we just talked about Brady Chuck, Tim Stutzel, and Claude Giroux, and they all, in my opinion, exceeded expectations and shown where they are and where they can take this team. So I'm, I'm fired up about it. Pilsy, final thoughts on today's show. Be thankful that we've got these three players here. And like Ross and I have mentioned I really think Claude Drew is going to retire in Ottawa, Senator. I think after this contract's up, he's going to do one one year and then another year. So I think we've got four years left of Claude Drew also. So just just enjoy it. All right. Four more years of Claude Drew? That's what I'm saying. I'll say five. Yeah, I think I think you're on record as saying five. Five? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah, because we know he wants to be the... The, the guy for his kids as they're growing up, as a guy who still plays in the National Hockey League. Unlike that meth guy, he's going to have to convince his kids that he played. Hey, he'll be so far removed. Well, I don't know. He could bring him out to the rink in Manatech and show him the yeah. outdoor rink. Best ODR player in the <laughs> world. I got two final thoughts. One, I promised everyone I'd have a little recap for them. Uh, Friday night, I went out oh, to the true. Cave. I uh, got to see Zach Astapchuk and Carson Latimer play the game one of the Eastern Conference Final. The Winnipeg Ice are now up 2-0 in the series, going back to Saskatoon. And we got a Zach Stabchuk penalty shot goal shorthanded where the offensive play is going. Boom, boom. He goes, long stick, taps it off the boards, spins around the guy, breaks in all alone, gets hooked, goes in on a penalty shot, and snipes it in. He's too good for junior hockey. Now, I've been yep. seeing and we've been saying a lot like Nick Paul is just so easy of a comparison to make the big body, the long strides, good hands, great shot. I get that, but there's just something a lot smoother with how a stab chuck skates than Nick Paul. Can I throw in a, a comparable that I just thought of? Yeah. And maybe I'm completely off, but this one really hits for me. What about a Chandler Stevenson type guy? Ooh. That would be the dream. He's but, so right. You see, see where I'm going with that? I I feel like that works. 
he might be the most underrated player in the NHL right now. And I got to see him up close and personal twice last week. And he yeah. is nasty. I like that comparison a lot, Pilsy. You've been you've gotten some heat in the past on your comparables <laughs> on this show. I think that was very good. Uh Lats, Lats is playing a depth role right now. He, he's battling. He's grinding out. He's throwing big hits, but uh the offense isn't he's not getting the opportunities like he was in it's print. A different role. Yeah. Different role. But uh this is Stapchuk kid is he's the real deal. He really is. So Sens fans get fired up for him. I also want to give stick taps to Kevin Mandalazy, uh out in ECHL. Huge game, 31 saves, and the Allen Americans can close out their series Monday night against Kansas City. Ooh. So Good to see Mando finishing his season strong, up and down, lots of great things, lots of things that I'm sure he wants to work on going forward. I'm excited to catch up with him after the season because what a roller coaster. And yeah, he's in Texas right now and he's putting up wins. So love to see that for Mando. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like you want to see these guys battling and sure, maybe you don't necessarily want your prospects in the ECHL, but he's getting a chance to battle. And for a goalie, that's key. So, yeah, we're cheering on Mando all the way here. This probably bearing the lead an hour into the show, but we covered it Friday with Bruce Garriock's article about the bully offer that's coming, billion dollars, Ryan Reynolds and company. Saturday night, Elliot Freeman says we should get clarity on that sometime next week. So stay tuned. When that news breaks, we'll be here ready to break it all down. But for today, we say goodbye. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day.